Thanks for taking the time to check out the Word Alive podcast. For access to other great resources and information on everything happening at Word Alive, be sure to download our app for iPhone and Android devices by searching WAIO, Word Alive International Outreach, teaching people and reaching nations with a message of freedom. And now, Kent Maddox. I've been talking about passing over into your future. So, won't you go ahead and touch three or four people and tell them, get ready, you got a great future. Tell them, get ready, you got a great future. We've been looking at a scripture that we've been hopefully memorizing together, Jeremiah 29, 11. Let's put it on the screen. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Touch three more people. Say, God's got a plan for you. Tell them, God's got a plan. Touch two other people. Say, I'm going to be touching you a lot over the next few moments. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you and give you a hope-filled future. Plans to prosper you and give you a hope-filled future. We're headed toward one of the Moedim times called Passover. God says three times a year there's divine appointments. A lot of Christianity aren't aware of this. They aren't aware of the concepts of the Hebraic concepts of the Scriptures. Part of our mandate as a church is to equip believers with this understanding so that we can live continually in the blessings of the Lord. And so we're moving toward one of those Moedim times where we head toward this season of Passover where God promises that if we will meet with Him and we will come to Him at these times, He will do supernatural things in our lives. So now touch somebody else and say, you're at the right place at the right time. Tell them you're at the right place at the right time. Now... I want to talk to you for a few moments, and if you'll help us, I know that we have a lot of children in this service. We've got a wonderful children's ministry that can help us with our children, so please be sensitive with us if your children are a bit fretful, if you could just uh, slip out with them, because we feel like this time of the Word is very important, so we just want to make sure, and and of course, we all have kids that love kids and understand. I told them last week how my dad would spank me in church, and then one one Sunday, he jerked me out of church, and we went to Dairy Queen, so anyway, but... uh, but just be sensitive with us, if you will, just because we really want to, want to be able to communicate this word effectively. I want to talk to you with a thought today about why Passover? Why Passover? Let me give you a scripture in Exodus 12. It says, the blood will be a sign for you on your houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. This is a day you are to commemorate for the generations to come you shall celebrate it as a festival to the Lord a lasting ordinance this is a time where the Lord tells us every year we are to fulfill Passover and fulfill the festival of the feast of Passover and it should be a lasting ordinance from now where it started at Passover all the way through even to the very end. Now, it's exciting if you don't know about Passover. This is what happened when Israel was in Egypt. They'd been there 430 years, prophesied by the Lord they'd be be here, and the Lord delivered them through Passover out of Egypt in one night. Now, this is something you may not be aware of, but it is very, very powerful. God is sovereign, and God is powerful. And he's not a man that he could lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. If he said it, he's going to do it. 
And I'm going to tell you why I got fired up about this. I've been, read, been reading scriptures for 30 years. I'd never seen this before. It says, in the, on the last night of the 430th year, God took Israel out of Egypt. They had been prophesied that they would be there 430 years on the last night of the 430th year. I'm, that means something to somebody. What am I saying? It may be the last night. It may be the last hour. But if God has said it, he will do it. And he's going to bring you out and take you into your future in Jesus' name. Touch three people say, he's about to bring you out in Jesus' name. Now, this is a pattern biblically that we're supposed to celebrate this. In Numbers 9, a year later, Israel celebrated the same feast in the wilderness. Shows you it was a continual ordinance. Even when they went into Jericho 40 years later to the promised land, celebrated Passover. Jesus celebrates Passover with his disciples even in the New Testament. And then even in the church age, Paul says Jesus is our Passover lamb, therefore we should keep the feasts. So we see the significance of Passover and that it's very important. Now, the enemy wants to steal Passover. The enemy wants to steal Passover. The enemy has always tried to do it all throughout the Bible. He tried to take Passover away from God's people. I'll show you in a few moments. He tries to take Passover from the church even in our age that we live in. Why? Because every time we celebrate Passover, it's a faith declaration. What is our faith declaration every time we celebrate Passover? I have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb from the hand of the enemy. Every time we celebrate Passover, it's a Passover celebration of I have been redeemed from the hand of the enemy through the blood of the Lamb. Satan wants us to have a bloodless religion because a bloodless religion has no power. So he's trying to take... I have no problem with Easter Bunny. I have no problem with uh, chocolate uh, eggs. I have no problem hunting eggs. Right? I have no problem dying eggs. I have no problem with jelly beans. I love jelly, I love jelly beans. But none of that will deliver you from the hand of the enemy. That's the only problem with it. Ain't none of that. Ain't no Peter Cottondale hopping down the bunny trail. Ain't none of that nonsense going to deliver you from the hand of the enemy. But I'm here to declare the blood of the Lamb will deliver you from the power of the enemy. And so what's happened is, even to, back to Constantine, when it began, the, the church begin to be separated from Passover. So in the 4th century, Constantine merged Christianity with paganism. That's where the word Easter comes from, from the, from the goddess Eshtar, the goddess of fertility. So we see paganism and Christianity begin to be mixed way early on, in the, right, right when the church began to go into the Dark Ages. Look, the Council of Nicene. A.D. 325 ordered Passover to not be celebrated. Council of Antioch, 345 A.D., if any bishop, presbyter, or deacon will dare after this decree to celebrate Passover, the council judges them to be an anathema or thrown away from the church. This council not only deposes them from ministry, but also any others who dare to communicate with them. 
Council of Laodicea, AD 365, it is not permitted to receive festivals or feasts which are of the Jews. And we see at the at 300, about 300 year AD, the enemy began to try to separate, and it's continued unto today, it's a biblical pattern, to separate God's people from Passover. When you see it throughout the Bible, it's very interesting. Every time Israel would get into idolatry and away from God, they would move away from the feast, away from the festivals of God. All of a sudden, God would raise up a prophet. They would begin to uh, bring it back, institute Passover and the feast again, and God's blessings would fall right back on them. So it shows us the importance of why we celebrate Passover, not Easter, here at Word Alive, because we believe it's a mandate from the Lord that moves us in the power of the blood of Jesus. Satan always tries to steal away Passover because he knows the celebration of the blood releases power. When you celebrate the blood of Jesus, the blood of the Lamb, it releases the power of the Holy Ghost to move in our lives. That's why Revelations 12, 11 says they overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives unto death. There is only one thing that has the power over the enemy, and that is the blood of Jesus. That is the blood of the Lamb. That is the blood of the everlasting covenant. There is power, power, wonder working power in the blood of the Lamb. Now I haven't always known about Passover but I have always known about the power of the blood. I thank God I was raised in a church 30 years ago that the Preach the power of the blood. Preach Leviticus that says there is life in the blood. Preach Hebrews that said the blood of Jesus is able to even cleanse your consciousness from dead works that you might serve the living God. Did you know that there are actually denominations today that are taking blood out of their hymnals, taking blood songs out of their, out of their churches, taking blood sermons out of their messages because they say it's, it's offensive to people to talk about the blood? Well, I got news for you. There's only one way you can be saved, and it's through the power of the blood of Jesus. We are, a, we are saved today because of a covenant-making, covenant-keeping God who used the blood of His own Son to cut covenant with us. So here at Word Alive, we celebrate the blood of Jesus and the power of the blood of Jesus in our lives. Man, my wife, she, my wife will apply the blood at a drop of a hat. Boy, she, when our youngest son got to going and, and driving around when friends would pick him up she'd be right out in the car she'd be the first scared his friends to death she'd walk in the driveway she'd say y'all saved y'all saved she'd try to get them saved and went saved she'd put her hands on that car and she'd say the blood of Jesus Christ is on this car and no, no weapon formed against them shall prosper and she'd just plead the blood over them powerful Thank God for praying mamas and praying grandmamas who know the power of the blood of Jesus. I was just teaching there for a minute. Get fired up and I thought about praying mamas and grandmamas applying the blood of Jesus. Power in it. Glory to God. Listen, I've had demonic attacks come against my life over the years, and nothing but the blood of Jesus stops it. Not a thing but the blood of Jesus stops it. I'll never forget one day, I w uh, Bev and I, we were preaching a lot around the world at the time. We were traveling all the time. We were headed to a uh, foreign country to preach the gospel, and we, we went to a dinner, and we were sitting there with our two sons, and we were leaving them behind. And I'm sitting there eating my dinner, and just like this, I heard the voice of Satan as clear as I've ever heard anything in my life, said, 
if you go and preach the gospel, I will kill your children while you're gone. It was as real to me as you're standing there. It was a loud voice came right up at me. Fear grabbed a hold of my heart. I didn't say anything about it. I just kind of pushed my way on through dinner. I got home, got the kids in bed, packing. I told Bev, I said, Bev, I can't take this anymore. I got to tell you, something happened. She said, I know exactly what happened. I said, what do you mean I know what happened? She said, the, Satan spoke to you that he was going to kill our children. I said, how do you know that? She said, because he said the same thing to me. So we started debating, should we go, should we stay, should we, what should we do, tormented by the enemy. All of a sudden, we started praying in the Holy Ghost. We prayed in tongues for about five or ten minutes. Next thing you know, we lifted our hands and we started declaring the blood of Jesus over our family. We said something like this, the blood of Jesus Christ is applied over our house. No weapon formed against us can prosper. Jesus destroyed the power of death that those of us who through the fear of death all our lifetime were subject to bondage, we declare there is power in the Passover blood of the Lamb and we declare there's a bloodline around our house. You can't touch my children. You can't touch what's mine. You can't touch my family. You can't touch my stuff. You can't touch my house. The blood of Jesus is against you. We packed our bags. We got on the airplane. We preached the gospel. That was 20 years ago. My kids are still alive today. We're still preaching the gospel. Why? There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of Jesus. You ought to slap three people, high-five, tell them there's power in the blood. Touch somebody that looks sleepy. Say, wake up, there's power in the blood. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Woo, somebody shout the blood. Somebody shout the blood. Somebody shout the blood. The blood of Jesus makes demons tremble. God tied crucifixion and resurrection to the Passover. Yet the the enemies tried to take the resurrection and the crucifixion away from Passover. That's why some years Easter is three weeks away from Passover on the calendar. Getting people to celebrate at the wrong time with the wrong stuff. Why? Because he knows if we ever get a hold of the power of the blood, something radically changes in our lives. I I just want to pause here a minute. There's some people right now that's been under the influence of demonic powers that's been tormenting you and harassing you. And I'm telling you, when you go home, you stand in your house, you lift your hands, you declare the blood of Jesus on you and your family, you submit to God, resist the devil, and he's got to flee from you in Jesus' name. Touch two people, say, the devil's about to get out of my house. Tell them, the devil's about to get out of my house. Listen to me. Let me just show you how powerful this is. It's all type and shadow. It says in the book of Exodus, here's how you celebrate the Passover. Get a lamb. That's enough right there to preach. Just get a lamb. Just get a lamb. Some of you may know this, you may not. Did you know where, you, where they get the uh, anti-venom for a snake bite? You know how they do that? They inject a lamb 
with the venom, with snake poison, with venom. And the lamb's blood creates an anti-venom. And they eject, they bring out the lamb's blood, and the lamb's blood is what actually makes an anti-venom against the serpent. How powerful is science itself even shows you the enemy may bite you, but I got good news. There's an antidote called the blood of the lamb. Somebody needs to get a hold of this. I'm not leaving until you do. Somebody got to get a hold of the blood. I'm tired of the devil defeating God's people and, and harassing God's people and, and causing God's people to live in bondage when the blood has already been applied. Let me go ahead and propose this to you. Three million Jews left in Egypt one night because of the blood of a goat and the blood of a lamb. How much more God's people, not with the blood of the goat or the blood of the lamb, but with the blood of God's own son shall overcome the enemy slap three people a high five say I'm going to overcome tell them I'm going to overcome say why do you keep staying there because I feel demons shaking loose on people right now I feel demons I got news hey I'm speaking to some demons now you came in with somebody but you ain't leaving with them in Jesus name I'm saying the blood of Jesus is against you. The blood of Jesus is against you. Somebody shout the blood. Satan been trying to, trying to quieten God's people with the blood. But the Bible says the blood speaks. Hebrews 12 says the blood speaks better things than that of Abel. The blood speaks. When you apply the blood, it starts speaking. The voice, it says uh, Abel's blood cried out of the earth. Jesus' blood is still speaking today. And any time you apply it by faith, the Word of God, the power of God begins to speak on you and your behalf of you and your family. So they got a lamb, and they were to bring it in on Nisan 10, the 10th day of Nisan this month that just started last night. And they're supposed to watch it for five days and kill it at twilight. Eat the lamb. I love this part. It says, eat it with your sandals on, your belt on, your snapsack, ready to go. Why? Passover is always about you leaving somewhere, going somewhere else. Touch two more people say, I ain't staying here. Tell them, I ain't staying here. I ain't staying here. Uh-uh, I ain't staying here. So, in the interesting, Jesus, New Testament now, comes into Jerusalem. Not, not, not in Adar, not in another month but in Nisan, the 10th day. Just like the Passover. Comes into Jerusalem, they watch him for five days. He's questioned by the high priest, by the Sanhedrin, by the, by the rulers of the city, by the rulers of the council. And it says they could find nothing wrong with him. Just like the Passover lamb. And not the day before, not the day after it, but on Passover. 
When the first lamb was slain in the temple, they nailed him to the cross. When the second lamb was slain in the temple, darkness covered the earth. When the third lamb was slain in the temple, it it, it says that Jesus gave up the ghost and died for our sins on the cross, just like the Passover lamb. But thank God he did not stay in the tomb because three days later, he got up out of the tomb and he is alive today because Jesus is our Passover lamb. Amen. Come on. Come on. He's alive. He's alive. Passover is all about freedom. Every year, God wants to bring us to this place and offer us a new measure of freedom. You say, why is that? See, like people today, they got saved from their sin, and that's awesome, isn't it? Y'all remember when you got saved from your sin? Remember old happy day? Oh, happy day. Oh, happy day. When Jesus was. When Jesus was, he washed my sins away, oh, happy day. Some of y'all need to get that back because you don't look too happy to me. And that's awesome, but that's not the end. He told him at Passover, he said, Pharaoh, let him go, let him, let him go. <laughs> Pharaoh, let him go. Pharaoh, let him go. Not that they may be forgiven, that they may worship me. Why? What had happened in Egypt because of their bondage, they had began to move into idolatry and they worshipped a bunch of other gods. And so not only did the Lord have to redeem them, but he had to shake them loose from their idolatry so that they could move into a place called freedom because they thought the sun and the water and the earth and all sorts of things were giving them what they needed. But God had to come show them, I am the God of Israel, and I am stronger than any of the gods you have been worshiping. And the ten plagues, I'll talk about it next week, represented ten strongholds in their minds and hearts that had, that had begun to move them into idol worship. Now, whether we want to believe this or not, it is true in America, we're full of idols. People want to talk about India and all these other places. You don't have to go to India to see idols. They're right here in the United States of America. And they're right here in our own hearts, in our own minds. Why? It's not because we choose it or we're actually the enemy deceives us into it. (coughs) Excuse me. What happens is... This is the way God, this is the way the enemy works. Trauma, pain, need. And what happens is when we get in these moments, the enemy comes to offer us a way of escape that's never tied to God's plan. I just talked to a young man yesterday, had a glorious Holy Ghost encounter at the mechanic shop fixing cars. It was cool. The Holy Ghost showed up right there. In the, we started prophesying and praying right there in the garage. It was awesome. And this powerful man of God named Ed was telling me, he said, you know, I was, off, I was off of drugs. It was a power. We used to have a prayer room over here. He said, Kent, he said, I was, I was addicted to cocaine for 10 years. He said, all of a sudden I met Jesus. And he said, he said you want me to tell you how I got free? I said, how? He said, I'd come to that prayer room and I'd get on my knees and I'd cry out to God. And he said, it took me about three or four days of coming every day crying out to God. He said, but one day I got up and it was over. 
it was done. He said, but what happened is just three years ago, my wife died. And he said, that trauma in my heart, I, 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 I didn't know how to deal with it or I didn't know how to move away from it. And so I went back to drugs because that was what the enemy offered me to take the pain away. And he said it did, but it was only temporary. And see, that's what the enemy does. He offers you a temporary solution to our pain, but what happens is when we buy into it, then it leads to worship. Because people always hear this scripture, the Lord is enthroned in the praises of his people. When you worship God, God enthrones himself. When you worship demons, they enthrone themselves. And so what happens is, over time, you build up a stronghold because what, here's what happens. This is what happened to him. So he goes and does that. And here's the way the enemy, so the enemy comes and says, let me show you a way out. And you go for it. God's grace is sufficient. And then you get there, and then you do it. Then the enemy says, well, you've already done it now. And he starts accusing. It's the way he works. And then he says, you've already blown it now. Why even go back? Just stay here. You've already blown it now. You've already done it. Won't you just stay here and keep doing it? Because you're, you're already a fool. You've already messed up. They ain't going to want you back at church. That you, you were free for 10 years, and now you've ruined your testimony. Anybody here? Everybody ever heard the devil talk to you like that? And then he just starts, well, you've already done it. You might as well just keep doing it. And then he just puts you in this snare, and all of a sudden it builds up a stronghold, and you just keep going back to it, and it becomes a form of worship because what, you know, where your heart is, there your treasure is also, and you just begin to build up these strongholds. But aren't you glad that not when revival comes, not every now and then at a summer camp meeting, but every Passover God comes back around again saying, no matter what you got into last year, no matter what kind of idolatry came your way, no matter what kind of trauma you may have endured, good news, I have redeemed you by the blood of the Lamb from the hand of the enemy. Touch three people say, we're about to get a new beginning. Tell them, we're about to get a new beginning. Here we go. We got to get out of here. Let me give you a scripture, 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down every argument, everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into the captivity of the obedience of Christ. Strongholds coming down out of our hearts and minds this Passover so we can move to a new place of freedom. You say, well, how do we, uh, let me give you a couple more scriptures. So powerful. I looked this, I, I studied this this week a couple of times throughout scripture when they started back at Passover. Hezekiah. Great example. I think it's found in 2 Chronicles 29 and 30. Look what it says. Hezekiah did what was right. Don't you love that? Hezekiah did what was right in the sight of the Lord, calling Israel back to Passover. And after years of idolatry and being away from God, God's blessings fell back on them again. Look at King Josiah. Y'all study this yourself. Josiah what, did what was right in the sight of the Lord. While repairing the temple, they found the Torah scroll, and he tore his robes in repentance after, re after they found in the Torah, revealing that they should have been celebrating Passover. And he institutes Passover, and all of a sudden, the blessings of the Lord fall back on them again. This is a biblical pattern. Anytime you reinstitute Passover back into your life and begin to celebrate it, God's blessings come back and begin to operate and move you into this place of freedom. So that's why we're adamant. So... April 1st is Resurrection Day, Easter Sunday, some call it, but we call it Passover. So we'll have a lot of people that'll come, and they're going to be shocked when they get here. 
right? Because we ain't going to be talking about Easter or we're not going to be talking about Resurrection Day. We're going to be talking about Passover. Why? Because the blood of the Lamb has redeemed us from the hand of the enemy. And we're going to be worshiping really radical. You know, it's, it's going to be one of those worship days like when you bring friends and you're like, oh, I didn't know we was going to do that. You know, it's like... You know, we're going to be blowing shofars. We're going to be taking communion. We're going to be de- applying the blood of Jesus. We're going to be dealing with demonic powers saying, you may have had me in this season, but you're not going with me into this season. And we're going to be making declarations, and we're going to be stepping over into our future through Passover this year. And Deuteronomy 16, 16 says, when you come one of these three appointed times of the year, come to God, appear before Him, and don't come empty-handed. Come with something for the Lord, an offering that cost you something. To say, Lord, I'm entering into covenant with you again this year. To cycle again into the blessings of the Lord. And I'm telling you, my wife and I, this is the time of year that we pray fervently about what we should give this time of year because we believe it's the most important offering we give because it's the first of the first that starts us into this cycle. So we're going to do that. We're going to talk about strongholds a little bit more next week and then the April 1st, we celebrate Passover. Now, here's where I get fired up. I was praying two weeks ago and fasting some. And I don't say that I was fasting to tell you that I believe fasting moved God. I was just telling you I was fasting because I was really hungry and I want other people to know that I was fasting. <laughs> yeah, they say you ain't supposed to tell somebody, but I don't know about that. I was hungry. And anyway... But I was hungry because I want God to move for us. So I was fasting saying, Lord, I just believe Passover is supposed to be very significant this year. And I don't want to miss it for us as a body or what you're doing as a church. So I didn't hear anything, but I just prayed and fasted and just said, Lord, we, just, you know, we, we, we as a people want to step into our future. This week I got a phone call. A man said, Kent, he said, I've been thinking about you and the church for a week and a half. And uh, this man has been a friend of our church and a friend of the ministry for years. He doesn't actually even attend church, but he just loves what God does through this place. He loves that we worship Jesus. He loves that we go to missions. He loves that we feed the hungry. He loves that we do clean water around the world. And he loves that we preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he blew my mind. He said, Kent, uh, I don't know if you're in the midst of some kind of special something going on in the church, but here's what I'd like to offer your church out of my heart for what y'all are doing. He said, whatever offerings would come in during Passover this year or during this time of generosity, I'll double it. Wait a minute. I said, well, I said wait. I said, wait, what do you mean I'll double it? He said, up to $300,000. I will write you a check and double what anybody else. So if somebody gives a thousand, I'll match it a thousand. Somebody gives a hundred, I'll match it a hundred. Somebody gives ten thousand, I will double whatever offering is given because I want your church to be solvent and never have to worry about doing the will of God because there's not money in the bank to do it with. Now, I got excited. Right? I mean, because that, that's a miracle. I mean, ain't every day you wake up and somebody gives you a phone call that said, hey, you know, I got 300,000 laying around. But what I got more excited about 
was the Holy Spirit jumped right beside me and said, this is the double portion. And it has little to do with money. It's God testifying to the fact that we as a church are about to step, we're about to step in to a season of a double portion anointing that's been prophesied that we would walk in and that would manifest in signs and wonders and encounters and healings and the kingdom and power and provision and glory that's been prophesied. I'm declaring this is the season of the double portion anointing in this house. Why don't you jump on your feet and praise God with me just for a minute today. Woo, come on. Come on. I got, just keep standing with me and we'll get out of here. I got fired up. Because what hit me was, it wasn't just, the, it, it, if, when I sow this Passover, it's an immediate double. And so the way the Lord showed it to me, he said, Ken, it's like if you w- went out planning to plant five acres that's the seed you had but when you plant it this year it's going to be 10 acres just when you sow it when you plant it and I got extremely excited about the possibilities not of the seed but of the harvest of what God would do and this is the scripture the Lord gave me look at this as for you touch three people say he's talking about you again Because this is important because somebody always thinks he's talking about somebody else, right? You know why we think he's talking about somebody else? Because of our behavior. Because ain't a person in here got it right. Ain't a person in here that's worthy of it. Ain't a person in here that's righteous. Ain't a person in here that could say, well, if God's going to bless somebody, it ought to be me. Ain't a one of us can do that. Why? Here's what I got fired up. Not because of our righteousness, but because of the blood. Woo, come on, somebody. Because of the blood of your covenant. That's why it's going to happen. I will send your prisoners from the empty places from the waterless pits. So God is saying to you and me, return to your stronghold, you prisoners who now have hope. Anybody felt like you've been in a season as a prisoner? What does that feel like? You know God's got all this for you and all these promises and all these things you're supposed to walk in, but you couldn't get there from here. It's like Joseph, you held here and you know you're supposed to be there, but like Joseph who wound up in prison, you can't get there unless God does something for you. This is what it's talking about. It says, return to your stronghold, you prisoners of hope. Watch this. Today I declare I will return to you a double portion. Or what's God saying? Double for your trouble. Anybody had any trouble lately? God's saying double for your trouble. So won't you, won't you slap now about 12 people high five. Say I'm talking about double for your trouble. Tell them I'm talking about double for your trouble. If you're looking for a church home or maybe just visiting our area, we would love to see you face-to-face here at Word Alive International Outreach at 122 Allendale Road in Oxford, Alabama. 
Maybe you can't make it in person. Well, look, all of our services are streamed online at our website, waio.org. Also on our site, you'll find previous sermons, what we believe, information about our online campus, and how you can get plugged in here at Word Alive International Outreach. Thanks again for listening to the Word Alive podcast. (laughs) 